nobody really likes to be told what to do. But imagine being told you better do this or you're done. You're toast. You're dead. I think we would feel a lot of things. What if your response, though, was polite? <laughs> Let's find out about that. It's the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Woo! Thank you for hanging out with us today. We are Rochelle and Carter, two semi-normal people talking about learning about the Bible. Talking about learning about the Bible. That's right. Sometimes I like talking about learning about talking Sometimes about I like singing about what I'm talking about and learning about. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I want to say that I was kind of embarrassed by our last podcast because I had not finished reading the book of Esther. Mm-hmm. And that's primarily what I was talking about. And uh, I was like, there's this obscure holiday. I I can't remember what it's called. And then I had to Google it while we were talking. And then I was like, if I finished reading the book of Esther, it's literally right there. Finish the story, Michelle, before you start talking about it. Uh, but Purim. Um, yeah, it's it may be one of the more obscure Jewish holidays in the community, but it was kind of a big deal and just celebrating, you know, not dying is what it was about. Hmm. The whole people were literally like there was a, a wanted poster, like back in the days of Wyatt Earp, you know, a wanted poster put any Jewish face on that wanted poster. The Persian Empire basically said, You can do away with Jewish people, and it was because of Esther confronting the king and the whole thing with Haman, which if you didn't hear last podcast, we invite you to do so. Just remember the holiday celebrated to celebrate this occasion is called Purim. And that still goes on. It still goes on. Oh, interesting. And of course, like every good holiday, there's food. There's even like this baked bread looking thing that's meant to look like the the tri-pointed hat of Haman. Wow. It looked delicious. It's bread. I'm I'm in. You say bread. (laughs) You know, I, I one of my favorite memes is uh, people saying to go no carbs, but Jesus says I'm I'm the bread of life, and I am so in, so in. Back in that time, that that was more of a like staple. That like the the daily diet was not meat. At everybody's table, there was always bread. Right. So right. like you had to have bread in order to live. So the point being, if you want to live. You know, ingest me and you will find true life. I don't think it's, hey, binge, Rochelle, on everything in the bakery, which is what I, you know, you give me that quote from the scripture. You cut, Then you like, start contemplating. Oh, you you do start contemplating. You've given me a biblical basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am in the book of Daniel. Would you like me to talk about Daniel? It's kind of, kind of a great book. It, it is one of those books that, I mean, first of all, we have, speaking of, we have the Daniel diet, um, uh, yes, you know, when yes. he chooses to have the vegetables instead of, you know, what the king's men are having. I do know. Very good. Yes. But, but then there's... Um, Did that sound condescending? Very good, little Carter. Very good. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to hang up this art on the refrigerator. Good job at VBS. Sorry. No, I'm just proud of you because yeah. you've self-admittedly... You, I mean, self-proclaimed more New Testament than Old Testament. More New you. Testament than Old Testament, okay. certainly. But uh, I have, I've certainly been fascinated with Daniel in some aspects of what it says. I, I'll see. I think of all of the Old Testament, it talks about the second coming of Christ and the end of the world more than any Old Testament book, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff. There's, I mean, 39 books in the Old Testament worth exploring. It's really, I, I, I think I was right there with you for for most of my life. The New Testament, what does that hold? It holds the meat. It holds the truth. It holds the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's about Jesus. 
But where do we get the symbolism for the bread of life? Where do we get why Jesus had to die on the cross? Some of us, when we hear that story, as children even, were puzzled. Why did Jesus have to die? Why was that important for him to take our sins away? And the more I unpack about what was written in the Old Testament, it's like, oh, it's because I was watching part two mm. without watching part one. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good way of saying it, yeah. Um, and I, from what I understand, if you do that with the Godfather movies, you're still okay. Like, Godfather <laughs> 2 is better than Godfather 1 is what many say. So. Right. Yeah. But in terms of the Bible... um. I think it's really important to to watch both, if you will. Uh, so Daniel, yeah, you you brought it up. He was a teenager when he and some of his buddies. Who? Let me just throw out some names there, and I want to I want to see if these are the names that you remember in the children's stories. Hananiah. Don't remember Hananiah. Mishael. Nope. Azariah. No. Okay. Otherwise known as Shadrach, Meshach. Abednego. I know those. So those were the the names given to them, the Babylonian names given to them. What's really interesting to me is that Daniel, uh, he wrote his it's he, Daniel wrote his own book, and so he stuck with his Hebrew name, which is Daniel. But he was also given a Babylonian name, and it's I think was Belteshazzar. It doesn't have a ring to it, you know. Daniel <laughs> just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, Daniel's a bit smoother. Yeah. If you're looking for a baby name, that along with some of the others that we talked about, that's not a good one, I, in my opinion. No, but, no. Um, they were taken into custody because they were uh, the Hebrew people were exiled from everything they knew, and these were some of the guys that were spared because uh, they were in the to-do part of the kingdom, so they were on the right side of the tracks, quote unquote, and they were rich kids. Uh, and belonged to rich families, they were still ripped apart from everything they ever knew. So part of you, when you hear about, oh, the rich kid who had everything they ever wanted, almost feel, maybe maybe I should feel more sorry. If they were an entitled child, if they had grown up with everything that they needed, how much more impactful might that have been? I don't know. If you If you got street smarts because you've had it rough all your life, I'm just guessing here. I don't know. But I do know that they were a wealthy part of wealthy families and they were ripped away from everything they ever knew. But clearly their families, they came, they must have come from good stock because they had not only an interest in all things God, Hebrew God, but they had a passion for their God. Because they come into this new set of circumstances and Nebuchadnezzar tells his guys, hey, I want you to find the best, the brightest, the cutest. I don't know why the most handsome was a thing, but it's literally in scripture. It says the attractive people. Mm -hmm. I want my palace to have attractive people. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will we'll go with their Babylonian names because those are the most popular ones. And um, they were they were the guys that banded together. And they decided, we're going to take a stand. Now, there were other people there, obviously, in the same situation that didn't go along with what these four did. But when they first get there, they are introduced to everything Babylon, which is basically everything you knew before. We're taking that from you. We're even renaming you. Israel, what Israel? Judah, what Judah? You're ours now. And... They're given Babylonian clothes and they're given uh, food that people in Babylon eat, which was not 
according to the law of Moses, it wasn't clean. And you're going to talk like us, you're going to walk like us, and you're going to like it, is basically the attitude of Babylon with these kids. Except for the four who asked the, the supervisor over them, they picked, they, they didn't fight all the battles, but they picked one. We'll wear the clothes. We've got the names. Would you please honor what it is that we grew up with in, in terms of food? And the one dude's like, no, nah, man, I can't do that. You got to eat what they said. I'm going to get punished. He says, just give us a week. And if we don't match up to the other guys, if we don't even, in fact, if we don't look better, he put out a challenge. Daniel was bold mm -hmm. as a teenager. Man, of course, most teenagers, <laughs> they are fearless, right? Maybe there was a reason why these guys were teenagers. Maybe he, they needed some of that edge. I don't know, but he's like, Give us a week, and if we don't outshine the others, okay, then you got us. So they ate vegetables, they drank water, they didn't eat the meat that they weren't supposed to eat, and uh, they looked great. They were GQ magazine cover worthy. Yeah. yeah. And it's so much that so it was incredibly noticeable, and God honored them for honoring him. And so, you know, years go by, there's this incredible moment of a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has that puts Daniel in really good standing with him, which is an incredible story in and of itself. He has this dream. And Nebuchadnezzar, gosh, you talk about ego. This this leader, this leader has now put his country, his face, his nation, what he believes he has acquired to a deity level. And he feels pretty confident about it. And uh, it goes to his head. Like, I mean, who wouldn't have that go to their head? We've, we've unpacked the story of King Solomon. Richest dude, wisest dude, went to his head eventually at the end of his life. He started doing things that were not in line with what God wanted. Mm. And uh, his kingdom fell. In fact, his nation was literally divided when his son took over because of bad decisions that were made like on the front end of his reign. It was just sad. So don't let it go to your head when God gives you you know, some favor. Nebuchadnezzar had God's favor. It was very clear in scripture. God's like, my dude, Nebuchadnezzar. It says that in the Bible, Carter. My man, Nebuchadnezzar. I thought you said dude. I was like impressed. No, but it's, well, yes. Uh, Rochelle's, Rochelle's loosely translation. Somebody reads the message. <laughs> <laughs> but Nebuchadnezzar was on his high horse when he has this dream and he tells all of his most trusted advisors, his wise guys, his astrologers, I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. You need to tell me what it is and you need to tell me what it means. He woke up real grouchy uh, that day because he was going to kill people. Can you imagine somebody coming to you and asking for your help and having the guts to say, in fact, here, I, I'm just going to put everything between you and me on the line, let alone now I'm going to put your life on the line mm. if you can't help me without me telling you anything about it. It's just, that's a dare. That's a, that's not a dare. That's not a strong enough word. That's just, what? That's insanity. And his leaders were like, King, nobody can do what you're asking us to do. And he, they're pleading with him because they're going to die. Who knows how many of these guys are on staff? They all have government jobs. This whole section of government is going to be taken out. Mm. And uh, Daniel's like, whoa, whoa, because one of the guards is going to take him out. He's like, what? what's going on? Well, so-and-so can't measure up. Maybe you can. Do you know how to help the king? He tells him what's going on with the king. Again, this is all loosely Rochelle translation. He, Daniel asks the guards, what's up? 
the guards say people are dying unless the dream is interpreted. Daniel asks, please ask for the ask the king. King, can I have some time? I I I can't interpret your dream, but I know God can. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get the information. I love how Daniel always defers to God. It's all about God. It's not me. It's him. Mm-hmm. He prays. He gets the answer. He takes it to the king. The king is like, your God is God. Because you're right. Nobody could do that. I mean, is the gall of Nebuchadnezzar. He knew nobody could do that. He's just mad. <laughs> He's just mad. He's just going to kill people because he feels like it. I heard somebody say the other day in a podcast I was listening to that when you deify your country in your mind, when you put it up on that pedestal, that people become not priceless commodities. They become expendable. Mm. I don't need this department. I'm going to take them all out. Obviously, if they can't do this, then what are they good for? He woke up grouchy. Yeah. Anyway, so... Nebuchadnezzar sees that God is God. I don't know how long that lasts because he still got it in his mind that um, my national brand is the best and you're going to submit no matter what. And he makes this statue and it's a pretty big statue. I forget the measurements, but 90 feet high. Is that right? Wow. It's it's super, it's super big. And uh, we don't know what the image of what it is. If it's an animal, if it's a picture of him, it's this image and people, I've always my whole life focused on the fact, oh, it's an idol. But it stood for more than that. I think it wasn't more than just a golden calf that we're going to, that we're just going to uh, pray to right now. It was, this stands for Babylon. And uh, I, I think about even current day country situations where people are looking to government or looking to what we f- an ideal and we put it on a pedestal and he was asking people to bow to pledge their allegiance to in a way that it, it's like whatever else you know I'm asking you to worship this and there were three dudes I think Daniel was away because he's not in this story that decided no we're not going to do that yeah because God is is our God, and he's number one, and we're not going to pledge our loyalty to something that you're saying is greater than him. That's not true. We can't do that. So they didn't bow. So everybody's made to bow. The, when you hear the music, this is what we're going to do. And uh, it's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out with picket signs. It's not protests. Uh, they're not going to the king saying, you're an idiot if you think we're going to do this. It's actually some other guys, some astrologers that pointed out to Nebuchadnezzar. They see their silent resistance. And they call him out and say, hey, those three, because they didn't like these guys clearly from the beginning. You put a target on your back when you're one of the favorites. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Nebuchadnezzar's pet. Yeah, you're right. So that's kind of what these guys were like from the get-go. Nebuchadnezzar even noticed like, those four guys, they look better than everybody else. Who are they? Oh, well, that's Daniel, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, excuse me, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so when Nebuchadnezzar sees that there's these three, uh, just like we saw when he woke up on that the wrong side of the bed that one day, he's 
he didn't even care that these are his prized guys. He's furious. Why aren't you bowing to this statue that I've erected that I said you will submit to this country mm. in all ways? He's furious. He said, I hear that you refuse to worship my gods and the gold statue I've set up. Now I'm going to give you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the statue, when you hear the music, everything will be all right. But if you don't, you will at once be thrown into a flaming fi furnace. <laughs> that sounds so delightful. Maybe um, just I feel like some days I have a bad day. I have to apologize to my kids. Like this guy is past. I don't know where you are in your mind. He wasn't reprobate because later on we have a good situation with Nebuchadnezzar acknowledging God in his life. We'll get to that you know, maybe next podcast. But that's, of course, after he turns into some sort of a beast who literally eats in the field next to other beasts. It's a whole thing. Right. It's an incredible story. But Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten how Daniel had come to his aid in helping with the interpretation of the dream. He has forgotten how impressed he was with the first time he's seen these guys. And he's created a furnace that is just so fiery hot. And you try to think about that in modern day society, maybe it's easier imagined in other places around the world, but even then it wouldn't be something that you broadcast. It'd be like hidden because, you know, I would imagine that United Kingdom wouldn't be okay with that. Right, uh, right. Um, did I, did United I mean, Nations. Thank you, United yeah. Nations. Well, you, they wouldn't either. United <laughs> Kingdom wouldn't either, but yeah. Uh, Great Britain, <laughs> thumbs up for fish and chips, but down with fiery furnaces. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, that's what I meant. The Un yeah, United Nations would not be okay with that. And they'd be like, no, this this goes against what we've agreed to as, as a global brand. We're right. not okay with this. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar says we're going to do this. And these guys, they get irate when he says this. They start gnashing their teeth. We hear that a lot in scripture with gnashing, gnashing their teeth. Now they start just, how dare you? You don't know our God. No, that's not what they do at all. This is how they reply. Your majesty, we don't need to defend ourselves. The God we worship can save us from you and your flaming furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't worship your gods and the gold statue you have set up. Wow. They're super polite. Your Majesty, they still give him his title. Mm -hmm. And what can we all learn from that? Oh, I have a few ideas. <laughs> I just, with what we live through right now with everything politicized, mm -hmm. regardless of who's in office, it's one yeah. side or the other. And it's so much disrespect coming from Christians a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and it always starts. From I f and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like so many of them, even though and me, me included, I get irate. Sure, sure. It starts from a sincere place of oh my, oh my goodness, this is so far off from what God wants for His people, and then you become outraged. But does that lead to righteousness, or does that just lead to rage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. So Nebuchadnezzar, it says his face twisted, his image twisted with anger. So he set up this image. His image is now twisted in anger. Orders the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. <laughs> so it's like August in Houston, Texas, where Carter and I live. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, it's so hot. And he's so mad and fast about it. Like they just throw him in. There's no thought put into this 
like they don't even strip him down of their clothes. Well, at least somebody could, you know, so-and-so, he would fit this perfectly. <laughs> this turban would look great on it. Nope. Throw them all in there. And it was so hot that the guards who threw them in there, they were expendable to Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't even think about it. He didn't care. Seven times hotter. That's eh, fine. You guys throw them in there. Well, those guys died because it was that hot. And it's the king, nobody else, who sees three men walking around in this huge fire hole. And then he sees a fourth image that he says, that has got to be the son of the gods. Mm-hmm. And that what do you guys see him and i i heard this gentleman talk about this <laughs> he's like who's gonna disagree with nebuchadnezzar at this point like even if you didn't see the fourth guy all it took was the <laughs> king to see it the king saw him i'm not gonna disagree yes yes yeah, i see the fourth, yeah, man fourth guy everybody fourth <laughs> guy please don't throw me into the furnace right i don't want to be the fifth guy he sees four guys and he's like get him out of there tell him to come out and they come out and it's crazy I mean, I've heard this story my whole life, but just if you have ever gotten too close to a stove with a paper towel and it just goes up like that and you, the smell of the paper towel is in the house for forever, it, the fire makes a smell, okay? There is a smoke, smoky, if something gets singed, nothing was singed on them, not a hair mm. was singed. Their clothes didn't stink, nothing, and they walk out. And it, Nebuchadnezzar got it wrong after that. He's like... Okay, your God is the right God. That part he got right. The next part he said, because he, he, what did it, what, what's the, I want to get this exactly right. He saved you from the furnace. He delivered you from the furnace. But he, God didn't deliver them from the furnace. He delivered them out. That hits home too. And it's not my favorite part of the story. Because literally the guys before they get thrown in there say, our God has the power to keep us safe, but even if he doesn't. So God did spare them in this story. We do know that people have been martyred for the cause of the King of Kings. We do know that that has been a situation in this particular story because uh, for whatever reason, perhaps it was the testimony to Nebuchadnezzar himself. What needed to transpire transpired. Obviously God knows best. But he allowed them to be thrown into that furnace. And can you imagine the terror? They believed. Help my unbelief in the moment. Yeah. They believed. They got thrown in. It, probably expecting to die. You know? And it didn't happen. So whatever trials, Rochelle, you find yourself in. And the, the prayer is, Lord, you deliver me out of these trials. I maybe need to just change my my approach to prayer in those moments. Lord, would you deliver me out of whatever I, I can be delivered out of here, in, in a, so I can find peace in the midst of the furnace. Yeah, no, you that's know? really good because really, there's not an expectation to um, in temptation uh, or trials. There's not an it shouldn't be an expectation to be delivered from that completely. Yeah, um, it's to the fact that God's in it with us. Yeah, and that God can see us through. He delivers a way out of temptation, um, and certainly we've seen over and over with with trials. Um, ultimately, for some, the the way out is the fact that they're going to enjoy eternity with God, and yeah. and uh, yeah. uh, many of the disciples experienced that. They didn't yeah. have, they weren't, um, they didn't live an easy life at a, at a certain point. Right. They, but you know, what's interesting is that they lived a lot of life 
following after Jesus, seeking after him, um, learning as they went, messing up sometimes, needing forgiveness and grace. And then they go on to write these incredible letters to the church to encourage their walk. Some of that I'm like, there's no way that they would be able to write so profoundly unless they had experienced loss, Mm. failure, uh, and and learning from it. And, uh, you know, the story, when Jesus tells the disciples before he leaves the earth, I am with you till the end of time. He's just reiterating the story that has been from the very beginning of Genesis. God is with him in the furnace. He's yeah. with Adam and Eve and even after they leave the garden. They're still they're still sacrificing to the Lord. They're still talking to God. God is still with them. He's with the kingdom of Israel even after it gets divided into Israel and Judah. He's with them. He's he doesn't abandon them. He gets mad. But man, when you start reading through all of this stuff, it's like, gosh, you, you I would have blown my lid so many times, so much faster. But he's perfect. And he loves us. And he his grace abounds. And it won. His love won. Out over. I It, it says in that incredible song, In Christ Alone, um, the wrath of God was satisfied through through Christ's death on the cross. And what took place there, and it was it was satisfied through what his gift of sacrificing his son. You know, it, it's that's unbelievable love, unconditional love. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I love the the reiteration of of what Jesus says. I'm always with you, and we see it right there in the story of um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, also known as Azaria. Wait, that sounds like a, it, that's the name. It also sounds like I just made it up as like a new pop star. Sorry. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure. All right. Uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azaria. Uh, well, yeah. we're, we're also seeing it in um, what's going on today in Afghanistan of, of hard, hard things and, and it's people in general, but obviously the Christians that are there. I've, I've seen many, Ugh. many posts of, um, oh, things I don't want to repeat, mainly just because I don't know how factual some of these things are, mm-hmm. uh, but just of, you know, who they're either sending away or who they're harming or, uh, and for what reasons. Um, and you see something like this and, uh, you know, you see anything, you see what's going on in Haiti with the earthquake as well. And, and why, why is this allowed? Yeah. And those are hard, hard questions continually but in regards to Afghanistan specifically, I, I found some encouragement this week of just kind of looking into it and, and understanding better about what's the, what's the overall plan here from God? Why, why is this stuff able to go on? And I was reminded of what a pastor shared once about Acts 17 and verses 26 and the first part of 27, and it says this. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, Mm -hmm. though he's not far from any of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you see boundaries of their lands and marked out their appointed times in history. So lifespans and country boundaries. And you see the group of whatever it was, 640 people 
on that plane that were able to get out from Afghanistan and hopefully the ones that still can get out. And why is our refugee situations allowed to happen? And you see that God is is allowing it because now there's an opportunity for wherever they end up to potentially be around a Christ follower. And not that that couldn't happen in Afghanistan. There are missionaries, missionaries in Afghanistan. There are Afghan people that are Christians. Uh, but God knows who needs to be where when. And so just the the hope, this doesn't put a bow on it. This doesn't ease the pain. But to know that God is in control of everything that happens under the sun and see a verse like that, and God is timeless and God knows, it gave me some hope, at the bittersweet hope at the end of the day that there is a great potential for a lot of these people to hear the name of Jesus for the first time. There was hope for Nebuchadnezzar. He's the tyrant, the dictator, mm. the terrorist guy in charge of an empire. And you think about Babylon, like he just, he worked with the kings that he governed. Like they were still kind of in charge, I guess. I, I, I hope I'm getting that right. All I know is that his empire covered a lot of territory. Uh, and, you know, he kept one of the Hebrew kings alive. Even I let him eat at his table. So and he could manipulate probably. He was a pawn. And he's the puppeteer. But God worked a miracle in Nebuchadnezzar's life. You think people are too far gone. Mm. So I, I was immediately, when you were talking about that, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the, the headline I saw yesterday about terrorists going door to door, finding children to marry. And I, I'm like, oh, Lord God. But it grieves my God's heart too because those are his kids too. Mm -hmm. You know? I don't think about necessarily the terrorist. I'm thinking about the baby. I'm thinking about the innocent. But then when you hear the story of Nebuchadnezzar, God is thinking about all of them. Now, obviously different and weighing it different because he's infinitely wisdom itself, you know? So I he understands what needs to transpire and doesn't. He understands what should be allowed for the for the best. Um, and I can't even, I mean, there's no equation other than God knows. I don't, I, you know what I mean? There's no formulaic response to mm -hmm. why does God let this happen? Except that he knows best. And that's so vague, but it has to be enough because we see through a veil darkly, it says in first Corinthians 13, but one day I will know in full. And I, it, that one day, I'm not there yet. So I, I, from all angles, this is so tragic. And, but it, can I always see every angle? Lord, would you give me your eyes to see these horrifying people through your eyes of love? Well, you look at the Apostle Paul. Yes. Who was once Saul, and, and clearly he was serving the right God in, in the wrong way and hadn't heard about Jesus. Um, you know, a lot of these individuals in this specific um, are completely lost. Uh, but the fact is that Paul didn't know, Saul didn't know the truth yeah. and then was had an encounter with Jesus and then wrote 
so much of the New Testament because he started following (laughs) Jesus. And so who's to say that one of these individuals, I mean, I was, you know, thinking the same thing about ISIS, you know, back in the day. Yeah. That who's to say one of these individuals couldn't do great things for the kingdom, but we look at them as the scum of the earth because they do act like it. Yes. I mean, they certainly act like it. It, What we're saying, especially if this is like, ooh, listen, that could trigger, especially if you're a military family and you have fought and you have seen eye to eye with people who, like, you wave your hand in front of their face and you're like, is anything in there? Mm. I can imagine if you look evil straight in the face, so many, so many people on this planet, it feels like are completely gone. They're, they're reprobate. They're, they're past hope. Listen, again, I'm going to go back to the, the answer that God only knows. But I do know um, that I'm to pray f- for the people that God puts in the circle of my, my my prayer circle, if you will. So if I'm compelled to pray, even for people that I feel like, I was like, why? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's like, Rochelle, I need you to pray for them. Yeah, the, the story of Paul, that's an incredible one to go to. Nebuchadnezzar, another amazing one to go to. God somehow saw these murderous people as not too far gone. And that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be justice. Yeah, I, I think it it all ties together with what you said at the very front. Imagine, you know, being told this or you're you're done. And with um with many different levels of the same situation, quite literally in Afghanistan, and then what we face just culturally in the United States, you know, you're canceled, you know, if yeah. if you're if you're not this and to in the midst of especially with unbelievers to be as gentle and as polite and as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves and to both preach and live the gospel. Yes. When you experience trauma, you go to a surgeon. And um, I, I do not mean to sound hokey because this can come across as, well, that sounds really bad, but it's so true. If you experience trauma, what do you do? You go and get help. And the Bible is, it, he, they have a Hebrew name for God, Jehovah Rapha, who is a healer. And that came about for a good reason. It's because he's a healing God. And, and so who do you look to? You look to Jesus, like the Sunday school answer, everybody's Jesus. Right. It's the right one. It's I mean, the, they said it for a reason. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Again, more resources for you at hopeondemand.com. Maybe you found us through that. Maybe you just found us where you find your podcast. So check it out, hopeondemand.com.